What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Memorial. There is so much to go through. I imagine uh, with the deep field and the changes to Mirfield Village, there's going to be a lot of valuable information here, and I'll do my best to relay that to you here in this episode. But we, we've got to look back at last week for just one second. Uh, the community, the Rick Run Good community, has been absolutely scorching hot. You could say we're running good at the moment. We had a million-dollar winner uh, two weeks ago at the PGA Championship and just piling up great success again. I know that Jason Kokrak uh, was fourth in the model that I ran on the DFS preview last week, and I know if you ran a similar model, there was uh, a ton of people who sent me winning lineups. Usually I like to pare it down to just two people to shout out. I really couldn't do that. I thought all of these were worth it for a different reason. So first off, uh, congratulations to Shane for a lot of reasons. Not only did he had a ba- did he have a baby two weeks ago, but he rocked that baby swag into a sixteen hundred and twenty five dollar win. So congratulations to you, Shane. Matt went with the the small stakes approach, which I always love to point out. Not only won the three dollar hybrid single bullet for $2,000. He won the 50 cent mini max for $500 and 25 cent quarter entry won that too for a hundred. So even if you're playing for small stakes and firing single entries, uh, you can have great success as shown by Matt. But then we get into some really incredibly huge numbers here. Mitch sent me a message and all he said was, I paid for your service for the rest of my life. Uh, and you sure did Mitch, because you turned your $38 $38 in single entries into $60,000. Congratulations. Won 50000 in one contest, 10000 in another. Congratulations very much. And then Sam with the message, we finally did it. Uh, you sure did, Sam. Won the flop shot for $200,000 in total for the week, 211000 How could I pass up any of those? There were more. Congratulations to everyone. It's always good to see uh, members of the community with a bunch of a bunch of green on their screen, a bunch of money in their pocket. Congratulations. If that's not enough, um, I'm, I'm still giving away subscriptions to rickrungood.com if you want to be part of the community. Uh, winners from last week, Jack Dunn and Tim Johnson. I've already reached out to you. I'll get you all set up with your subscriptions to my site. Uh, if you would like to enter a draw to win a subscription to rickrungood.com, there are two ways to do it. If you're on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed like this video and tell me who's going to win this week's memorial. If you go to Apple podcasts and leave a five-star rating and review on the podcast version of this show, you say something nice, you leave me your Twitter handle. That's another entry. It's a lot easier to win that way, quite frankly. Uh, because less people do it. Uh, You do both. You double your entries. I will link the description to the podcast uh, in the description, and it is called 300 Yards to Unknown. A couple other items. uh, Plenty of content again this week. Going to be your DFS preview, which is what you're watching right now, your betting preview, your live chats on Wednesday. And if you wanted to take sides, you can now do so. Team Brooks and Team Bryson shirts are available in the Run Good store. Pick which one you want. I think it's fun. I think it's interesting, and I'm sure if you wear one to a PGA event, uh, you'll probably make some new friends. So there you go. All right. Enough of that. We've got to talk about Mirrorfield Village. We've got to talk about this course. We've got to talk about the changes. There's a lot to get to. Let's do it. Okay, Mirrorfield Village. This is the course key stats tool um, on rickrungood.com, as everything that you see in this video will be from rickrungood.com. This course, we know, uh, traditionally plays very difficult. In fact, John Rahm won it at... 
I believe, nine under par last year, and that was three shots clear of Ryan Palmer, who finished in second. It is historically one of the more difficult courses. What's interesting about this this year is, or I guess maybe last year, is this course played host to two events back-to-back. The Workday Charity Open, remember that, Colin Morikawa won it, and then this event, the Memorial, which was won eventually by John Rahm. And the two weeks probably could not have played any more different. Uh, the workday was very easy. Then they kind of let the grass, uh, they let the rough grow. They let the, the greens firm up and get almost out of control because they were they were literally as, you know, John Rahm, as that final pairing was coming up, uh, you know, five and six on the course, they were ripping up greens behind them because they did this huge renovation in the last 10 or 11 months. And I actually have... Um, <clears throat> What they did here, so keep keep this in mind. Here are the changes, and this is what was sent out to the players for this week. So this is the the official update about what uh, what has gone on in the last few months. And essentially, what they did is they have uh, completely recontoured almost every single green complex. Only 12, 13, 14, and 17 resemble their old greens. If you remember, it was bent grass and there was po- Poana growing through it. They've been resurfaced with new Brent bent grass. Again, of course, they've added in some logistical stuff, uh, but what you're also going to see is every single fairway and greenside bunker was retouched. It was rebuilt. Some were added. Uh, the big change is probably going to be on hole 15, which I'll scroll down to here. Hole 15, they removed the creek, uh, they lowered the fairway 10 to 15 feet, they added a couple of new bunkers out there around the 285 to 320-yard mark, that's kind of that cluster, and there's a new green complex and water feature, so I mean, it is it is really... Uh, almost every single hole on this course has been touched in one way or another. Now, what usually happens with that, and when you get new greens, new greens are usually very, very firm. Very firm. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how that impacts scoring this week, but I think these guys are certainly in store for a difficult test. I don't think that's going to be any different. Um, I will link this this PDF. Um, Can I do that? I'm not sure if I can share this, although I'm showing it on video right now, so I probably have different things to worry about. I will share... I will share a link to this PDF um, that that you can look through and see all the changes for for this week. So if we scroll down and we look at the the correlated stats for this week, and again, this is we have really good uh, history at, at Muirfield Village, uh, so there's plenty of data to run for this event, and there's a couple that really stand out. Strokes gained around the green, there were only three courses on the PGA Tour where strokes gained around the green was more important, and there's only seven courses in which strokes gained approach was more important. So you've got to be uh, a great ball striker, but if you're not and you're missing some of these greens, which are on the smaller side, and you're getting yourself in some difficult situations, you have to be able to get up and down for par. These are These stats tend to pop up on difficult golf courses, right? Torrey Pines, I feel like had a similar um, model to to this week as well. Uh, you, you know, you remember the, the chip-in on 16 last year on Sunday, John Rahm's chip-in that was for birdie. He later found out he was assessed a two-shot penalty for making his ball move, uh, but so it went down as a bogey, but it, it, it's shots like that. You know, 16 was the most difficult par three on the PGA tour last year. And he, and he chips in, in a terrible spot. Greenside on Sunday is unbelievable that, that if they didn't assess him the penalty, you know, it might be one of the greatest birdies ever made. Uh, It's incredible stuff. That's, that's the type of of skills you're going to have to have around the greens this week. So if we start looking at those types of players, 
And we just look at maybe the last 24 rounds for everybody in this field, and we sort it by strokes gained approach. Uh, believe it or not, Tony Finau is number one. That, that was a surprise to me. Uh, not a surprise. Matt Jones, Cameron Tringale, Cameron Smith, and Louis Oosthuizen rounding out the top five. And then if we sort it by strokes gained approach, uh, no surprise. Colin Morikawa is number one. Charlie Hoffman is number two. A little bit of a surprise that Stuart Sink is number three. And then Jordan Spieth and Corey Connors. So certainly uh, the ball strikers that we would expect to show up on that list are showing up on that list. If we head over to the cheat sheet, we see something really interesting. Uh, Six golfers over $10,000, and I'm not sure I agree with the order of them, but I'm also not sure that I agree... Or that I could make a better order. You know what I mean? This actually came up on the First Cut podcast last night. Uh, Kyle Porter said, who's the best player in the world right now? And I think common sense says it's Jordan Spieth since the start of 2021. We've been looking at the metrics. He's got eight top tens in his last 11 starts. But if it's not him... I don't know who it is. You know, there's there's great there's there's pros for all of these guys, there's cons for all of these guys. And and I think the odds for this week kind of reflect that nobody knows the order to rank them. And I think that the DraftKings pricing kind of reflects that we don't know how to really rank these guys. I mean, the fact that Justin Thomas has five guys more expensive than him is kind of jarring. I mean, it's a really interesting 10K range that I think as the week goes on, as we get to the Wednesday live chat. Seeing what the ownership is on these guys is probably going to make a lot of decisions for us, but uh, without ownership numbers here on a Monday, let's kind of talk through some of these. Jordan Spieth is the most expensive golfer. He's 11300 I think it's fair. I always talk about the perception versus reality of a guy who has a, a quote-unquote disappointing Sunday. You know, if you would have told me he finished runner-up before the week started, I'd be at a fever pitch for Jordan Spieth right now, but just because he goes out and shoots what, a 75 on Sunday, kind of plays himself out of the tournament. Um, should should I be upset about that? If he would have done that on Thursday and finished strong, we would have a completely different perception of him. Um, he has had generally a, a kind of a mixed bag, but more good than bad here at Mirfield Village. He finished 13th last year, 7th the year before. He had a third place finish back in 2015 and four top 15s in his last, what, what is that, seven starts. Um, I think that on courses where you've got to be a bit more creative, I, I think what you're going to see this week is especially if these greens are as firm as I think we expect them to be early in the week and as difficult as we expect it to be, you have to start getting creative, right? It's not a, it's not a track man contest where you fly it to the number and, and uh, you know, whoever can hit that number in the air on the fly on the carry is going to win. I don't think that's what we get this week. I think we get a situation where you're going to have to land it at a certain yardage, understand how it's going to spin, how it's going to react when it gets onto the green. Uh, and Jordan Spieth has a lot of creativity in the bag. And, and I think that courses like this tend to, uh, tend to really benefit him. And then, of course, our defending champion, John Rahm, another top 10 at the PGA Championship. This guy's been unbelievable. You know, we can pull up his holy grail here, and we can kind of look at his results. And without a win uh, in his last, I think it's like 12 or 13 starts, he's just been piling up top 10 finishes, and he's doing it again. He did it at the PGA Championship. He did it at the Masters, the match play he went deep, the Players' Championship, the Genesis. What, are, what do a lot of these really good results for John Rahm have in common? They're hard golf courses. Even when you go back to his wins. So his win last year at the Memorial, very obviously difficult course. BMW Championship, Olympia Fields was was stout. That place was very difficult. Then he goes and he finishes seventh at, at Torrey Pines, fifth at Riviera, uh, ninth at Sawgrass. I mean, you can just start, I mean, uh, 
Kiowa Island, he finished eighth. I mean, he is just, he really tends to elevate his game uh, to these difficult golf courses. So I, I kind of am giving him a hair of a nod here uh, over, maybe over Jordan Spieth for the $200. I'm worried about uh, the short game, which hasn't been as good since he, since he switched to, um, since he switched to Callaway, which actually, I guess we could demonstrate here. So let me see if I could do this. So I'm going to go to the Holy Grail and I'm going to do John Rahm from, what would be fair? So he switched. Uh, so here, here, here's what we'll do. We'll do his current his current numbers right now. So we'll do one one, twenty twenty one. So this would be essentially the last five months with his new sticks. He is a slightly above average around the green player and slightly above average putting combined. It's about a quarter of a stroke. Uh, let's see what he was in the six months prior. So I'll do six one, twenty twenty to the end of the year, which would have been when his contract was up. And he was, yeah, he was about about a half a shot, right? He gained a quarter of a stroke alone around the greens, and he added, and he's been about the same with the putter. So um, he's been a little bit better in the short game, which I think is the one thing that we've kind of see him, seen him yet to tap into uh, here in 2021. Bryson DeChambeau at the moment for me, I think is a big question mark. I think as the week goes on, the the, the question that I need to be answered uh, about about Mirfield Village is the length of rough and how narrow these these uh, fairways are. So if you just look at kind of what they've done from the renovation, um, and this is a really this isn't a great metric, but the the amount of uh, it's it's acres of fairway versus acres of rough. Right, it's just on the course. How many acres of fairway are there? How many acres of rough are, are there? Uh, the number of the acres of fairway has gone down pretty significantly, about twenty percent, and the uh, acres of rough has gone up. And what we've seen is if that's in the right spots where you get kind of a winged foot situation where uh, the rough was very, very thick and the and the uh, fairways were too narrow, no one was able to hit any fairways, it gave Bryson a huge advantage. And if we see those types of conditions. This week, I think Bryson could be at a significant advantage. He's going to bomb it. He's going to miss fairways. If everybody else is missing fairways, he has the strength, the ability to get it out of thick rough. So that's the one thing that I have to see answered for me as the week goes on. And then the rest of this 10K range, I think is fine. You know, you're going to get Colin Morikawa, who I thought had actually a pretty disappointing Charles Schwab challenge. He didn't play particularly well. He didn't take advantage of some of the holes that you have to. Still finished 14th, going back to a place that he won on last year, not at the Memorial, but he won on for the workday. And then Justin Thomas, who was in the playoff with him, uh, it's kind of hard to see five guys above Justin Thomas. And we can look at his metrics a little bit deeper and see what's going on here. Uh, because he's been on a, a little bit of a, a of a downslide, right? We know he missed the cut to PGA Championship. The concern is that he got four rounds in in Fort Worth last week, and he was a zero ball striker, or I shouldn't say ball striker, approach player. Uh, that is worrisome. That's that's not the way for him to find his name on the top of the leaderboard. So if he can figure that part out, uh, I think he's super dangerous, and I'd love to see what his ownership comes in on as the week continues to, to, to roll out. The 9K range I find incredibly intriguing. Uh, Victor Hovland at the top, he's 9,900. If we go back to the Holy Grail and we punch in just the Memorial Field since the start of 2021, we sort by strokes gain total. Jordan Spieth is one, Charlie Hoffman still number two, Victor Hovland number three. He's $9,900. He's played 41 rounds. He has not missed a cut, or he's, I'm sorry, he's missed one cut in his last, I think it's 20, 
I want to say it's 29 starts worldwide. It's pretty. It's an unbelievable record. He's got the two uh, third-place finishes in his last four. He finished 30th at the PGA Championship, and he didn't even drive it all that well that week. You know, the concerns that we have with him which is which is I think is becoming a lazy concern at the point at this point is is saying well he's not very good around the greens. I'm sorry, is he not? Because since the start of the calendar year he's been tour average 0.03 on the positive side. He is tour average. That's not bad. Uh he's better than Morikawa, he's better than Corey Connors, he's better than Charlie Hoffman, he's better than all these guys. Uh and then you look at what he's done recently, well he's gained strokes around the green in four straight is he bad? I think that's starting to be a lazy narrative at this point and, and saying, hey, that's the reason I'm not going to play Victor Hovland because he's bad around the greens. That is statistically not true anymore. Uh, the rest of this 9K range, you know, Shoffley's here. I think Shoffley's very fairly priced uh, for a guy who has the floor that he does. I was going to say the ceiling, but that's not really true. The floor that he does. Um, you know, Cantlay, are we starting to see the turnaround for Patrick Cantlay? I, I've already kind of described, I'm I'm probably just going to go down uh, on this on this ship here with Patrick Cantlay. Are we starting to see the turnaround? Well, the good news is he was absolutely dynamite ball striking at the PGA Championship. This might have been the best number of anybody. He gained four strokes off the tee and another eight on approach. The bad news is this putter he cannot figure out and he's been trying out different styles of putter, like literally a mallet versus a blade and all that stuff. And he's now going on a stretch of, let me count that. Is that seven consecutive events that he has lost strokes with the putter? That is probably unheard of for Patrick Cantlay. If I, can I find another situation in which he, which he's lost seven straight with the putter? I've got four straight in 2018. I've got three straight in 2018. No, he's probably never done this. So um, that's that's going to be the key. Good to see that the ball striking is back. If he can figure out the putter, if he can figure out the putter, he's dangerous. Uh, then you get Corey Connors, who I think I talked about this on maybe the first cut pod the other day. You know, Corey Connors has been great. Why why has his popularity trailed off a little bit. Uh, why is nobody talking about him anymore? Is it because when he was very, very popular, he finished, you know, 19th and, and that's it. Nobody ever wants to talk about him again because he didn't win the golf tournament. Uh, I guess maybe that's not entirely here. Here's where his, his, his ownership peaked. He was 29% owned at the Valspar played fine, but then he was 14% owned the next week. 19. He's been hanging around that 19 number. Um, it's just like, because he didn't win, people kind of forgot about him. He's still playing well. Certainly not worried about that at all. And then I will say this. The bottom of this range, and I don't want to talk about every single player in the field, but I guess with a deep field like this, we're kind of trending in that direction. Um, Tony Finau has played well here. Uh, eighth last year, 13th two, uh, three years ago, 11th two years prior to that. He's trending in the right direction again, and he's better around the greens than I think people want to give him credit for. Um I, I, I'm kind of back in on Finau this week. And then Patrick Reed had the ugliest missed cut. We probably could have gotten playing. I think he was three or four over on Friday, had a five footer for par on his last hole to make the cut, missed it. If you want to talk about tough, tough events with, uh, around the green being kind of an important stat, Patrick Reed is going to be there. So I think the bottom of this nine K range, when we get to the time to build a model, I think is going to be pretty, pretty valuable. The 8K range, uh, this is where I get a lot more questions than I get answers. You know, it starts with Sam Burns, who withdrew from the PGA Championship with a back injury after five holes or six holes or whatever it was. And before that, he had gone fourth at the Zurich, win at the Valspar, second at the Byron Nelson, withdrawal. 
I, I don't know the state of his game. I don't know the state of his back. I don't know anything. Uh, but he's priced at $8,900, and I imagine he's going to be pretty unpopular. Uh, for the rest of these guys, you know, I, I want to go back to the Holy Grail here, and I want to I go back to the, you know, the, the time frame of January 1st, 2021, and just sorting by strokes gain total or by strokes gain ball striking maybe, and just start looking for the first $8,000 guys that pop up. And of course, Charlie Hoffman is going to be there. He's 8,300. He's the fourth best, or I should say he's the third best ball striker in this field because Antoine Rosner only has four measured rounds. Then there's a pretty big gap down to Keegan Bradley. And and Keegan, to me, is the guy that I, I wrote his name down um, uh, two days ago or three days ago. And I said, I'm really interested to see what his number is going to be. And I'm going to open this up for Keegan a little bit because I want to start to show you like he's, he's laying the blueprint. You know, we've talked about this blueprint before. We talked about this blueprint with Hideki. We talked about it with Berger. We've talked about it with Jordan Speed. We've talked about it with a lot of guys. He's laying the blueprint. Uh, Keegan, for a very long time, has been one of the best ball strikers on the planet. He continues to be. His last four starts, even with the PGA Championship, he was outstanding off the tee. He was outstanding on approach. Wells Fargo Championship, same thing. You don't think those are two difficult golf courses? Valspar, he finishes runner-up. Outstanding ball striking. Played well at the Zurich. What, what has been the difference for Keegan Bradley? Right here. It's the putter. Uh, even in the last seven starts, the weeks that he's lost, he's lost... 2.75 and 1.24, which for Keegan is basically a win. And in the other five weeks, he's gained strokes putting. Now he's not gaining six or seven. That would be outrageous. But if Keegan gains one or two, he flies up the leaderboard. I mean, this is the blueprint. We have seen him have success on uh, difficult golf courses here recently. I'm, I, I might actually outright bet Keegan this week. Um, but I, I, really, I really think, it, like, if you could let me bet... Keegan is going to win one of the next five tournaments. Like I, one of his next five starts, like I'd be interested in that. I just think he's trending in that direction, which by the way, I wish bets like that were available. Um, so let me close up my time frame here, get it back to one, one, 2021. Whoops. 2021. And we will continue down this ball striking path or this, uh, this ball striking path here for $8,000 guys. Joaquin Neiman would be third. Shane Lowry would be fourth, which is kind of surprising because I usually attribute uh, Shane Lowry as, as a short game specialist. He's been much better than that recently. The fourth place finish at the PGA Championship has now gained strokes in the ball striking category, which is off the tee plus approach in, what, eight straight? Pretty good stuff. So Shane Lowry doing it in a way that I certainly would not have expected from him. The $7,000 range, um, you know, Emiliano Grillo kind of continues to be under underpriced and undervalued, I think, right? He's $7,700. He's coming off an eighth place finish last week. He's been on a very good run. He's top 10 uh, at this event a couple of years ago. Let's kind of look at some of his metrics and some of his ownership because I think I think he's going to be a lot more popular uh, consistently than I would expect here. So third in greens and regulation, ninth in strokes gained approach. His one flaw is around the green, which is a little bit worrisome, but understandable. Look at his ownership. You know, he kind of hovers in this, in this teen range. He was 17% owned last week, 6.2 at the PGA championship, 12 the week before 15, the week before that. So he kind of just is always in this call it eight to 17 range, maybe like low teens, mid teens type ownership, which I think is fair, but his price doesn't ever really move. He's always kind of in this, in this ballpark of the, of the mid seven thousands. I'm not entirely sure how much else I really like in this $7,000 range. Um, you know, someone like a like a Max Home I think is interesting because he won at Riviera, but I'm not that excited about it. Uh, Matt Kuchar, if I would have seen maybe a little bit of better performance last week, although he did make the cut, this is a place that he's had a ton of success, but I'm worried that it's 
now that it can play even a hundred yards longer, like it might be too big for him. And that's this good run for Cooch might be kind of might be coming to an end here. I just don't love a lot of this. So let's, let's do this. Let's go to the trends and see if I can find maybe a breakout candidate here in the $7,000 range. So this is, if you haven't seen this, someone who um, is playing well tee to green over their baseline, but putting below it. And the idea is if they continue to hit it well, which is usually much more sustainable from week to week, and they get back to their putting baseline, whatever that is, good or bad, uh, then then this, these are guys that are going to kind of break out. Of course, Patrick Cantlay seems to be like the guy because because of how poor the putting has been, but he's not in that 8K range or that 7K range. Charles Schwartzel is though. So Schwartzel is coming off that missed cut at the PGA Championship, but before that was on an incredible run. Uh, and still, apparently there are some... There are some putting baselines that he could get back to. He's normally about an even putter. So that is someone that you might want to consider after everybody seemingly is going to jump off after the missed cut at the PGA Championship. Schwartzel might be a guy to get back in on. The bottom of the 7K range, I think, is probably the more appealing side of it. Sebastian Munoz, who had a good week last week, and we know he's streaky. We know that he can get on these runs. He hits the ball really well when he's dialed in. I like that. Taylor Gooch continues to pile up these you know, he's kind of like a little bit more volatile Vincent Whaley, right? Vincent Whaley was like the guy who finished 26th to 38th every single week. Taylor Gooch is the guy who finishes 14th to 40th every single week, and he's a good ball striker. I think that's fine at 7,100. And then a guy that popped up at the very beginning of the show would have been Matt Jones. Uh, very strong around the green player, has had a, a bit of success, made each of his last two cuts here at Mirfield Village, already is, has a win this year, and has continued to play well after that victory. So I, I believe the bottom of the 7K range is is more appealing than maybe the middle or even even the top is not not all that enticing to me and we'll see if any of these guys pop up when we get to the the model building portion of this the six thousand dollar range uh you know if you're looking for guys with specific skill sets alex noren in in weeks where short game is important and difficult golf courses is always kind of intriguing and he's been playing well, made the cut at the PGA championship. And before that he had four consecutive top 25 finishes. So I could probably get behind that. I, I certainly had, I had doc in my core last week and obviously I have, uh, you know, rooting interest for doc. So I end up watching a lot like every single shot that he hits in some form or, or, or another. And I thought he just kind of got on the wrong side of it on Sunday, kind of made a couple of numbers that you shouldn't on some of those holes. But I thought that he had sparked, he had, sparked something at times he had played well at times I, I think he's close and, and again I'm probably not an unbiased source for that information but I, I do believe we're starting to see better signs from Doc and, and that's kind of why I played him last week as well uh, Richie Warinsky, you know continues to trend in the right direction right here he is now with three consecutive made cuts he's not gonna uh, blow the top off of anything but you know at $6,700 if he finishes well, this is a smaller field, but if he finishes, what, 30th, are you happy? Probably, probably. Uh, he was he was on a run on Sunday where he he parred the first two holes, the easy ones. Then he buried the first two holes of the horrible horseshoe. And I'm like, Richie, you're, you're, this is bizarro world, buddy. You're supposed to do it the opposite way, but either way, getting the job done. And then if you continue to scroll down on this uh, $6,000 range, you run into another guy that... <laughs> by all appearances, might be way too lowly priced, right? Vincent Whaley was that guy last week, went out and did it again, got us a good finish. 
Uh, a sixty-two hundred dollar golfer that is, uh, you know, fifteen or twenty or twenty-three percent owned or whatever is a little bit scary in some of the single entries. And maybe that guy is Kyle Stanley this week. Uh, but Kyle Stanley is sixty-one hundred. He is nearly min-priced. He's coming off a top ten. He has made four cuts in a row. He has played well at Mirfield Village before. Runner-up in twenty eighteen, sixth in twenty seventeen. If we look at his results, I think what you're going to find is that Kyle Stanley is routinely on brand, right? He he rarely surprises us, right? And, and what I mean by that is that he's going to be an excellent ball striker as he was again last week, gaining eight strokes on approach, and he's going to be a terrible putter. This is, this is Keegan Bradley for the last five years until he figured out a putter in the last eight starts. Um, so I wonder if his upside, if he loses three or four strokes putting, his upside is probably pretty capped. We saw that at the Charles Schwab Challenge. He loses three strokes putting. He has to go bonkers in every other category and he finishes inside, inside the top 10. If he can find a way, if he can find a way to be a zero putter, maybe he's got an opportunity to finish inside the top five. I think it would be a big ask for him to win. But honestly, at this price, at $6,100, you would take any of his last four starts. And five of his last six have been great. You would take any one of those at 6,100. You'd even probably take a lot of these finishes, 32nd, 39th. I mean, he's nearly min price. You'd probably take all of these. So Kyle Stanley, uh, likely to be shaping up to be one of the popular guys under $6,000, which really only leaves us with one thing left to do, and that is to run a model. This is the lineup builder on rickrungood.com. It is still technically in beta. We are about to remove probably that beta designation and uh, push another update to this, which should hopefully be more stats, a couple other features, things like that. And we will discontinue, or I say we, it's it's me. I have the help of a couple of developers for stuff that's over my head. Uh, be discontinuing the custom model. That is an older tool that doesn't pump out lineups. This is the lineup builder. This is what I believe you should be working on. So uh, let's go to recent rounds again. 24 has been really good. We've been, we've been really good with this model. If you go back and look um, a couple of weeks ago, KH Lee, he was, uh, you know, I think he was 12th in the model that we ran for a guy who was like 6,500. That was really good. I think Phil Mickelson was even inside the top, I want to say 15 of the PGA championship. And of course, Jason Kokrak was fourth last week. So you can kind of, you know, Take, take this for what it's worth, but I think, I think we're doing a pretty good job identifying the stats that are going to play well. What do we know this week? We've got to put a pretty large emphasis on around the green, and we've got to put a pretty low, well, not 255, 25, a pretty large emphasis on strokes gained approach. And I like to continue to do this modify little weighted strokes gained total, right? It's strokes gained total, but you're weighing it. So I'm going 25 on approach and around the green, 15 on off the tee and putting. So boom, my strokes gained total is done. I'm also going to do uh, birdie or better at 10% because birdies, I believe, are going to be um, few and far between this week. So we're going to take birdies or better. And then what we're also going to do is with the... Um, the, the, what I believe to be just these fairways that have been made much smaller. And I think the rough that is going to be very thick and penal. I think you're going to want to, and, and these hard greens, I think you're going to want to play out of the fairway. So I'm going to give just a the tiny little nod to driving accuracy. And then I'm going to scroll down and I'm going to sort this by my most valuable golfers and oh boy. Okay. Wow. Jordan speed is number one and it's, it's, oh, sorry. Hold on. There we go. Okay, Jordan Spieth is still number one, but I thought it was a wide margin. It is not. Jordan Spieth, number one. Louis Oosthuizen, number two. That should not be a surprise. He has been awesome around the green, plays well on difficult golf courses, playing well right now, just had a runner-up finish. Louis, number two. Hovland, three. Wow. 
Keegan, four. Tringali, five. Hoffman, six. Wallace, seven. Smith, eight. Cantlay, nine. Interesting. This is really interesting. Rory McIlroy doesn't show up until after both Spieth and Justin Thomas, right ahead of Colin Morikawa. I'm, I'm probably going to need to do a deeper dive on Lucas Glover. He had a really good week last week, or at least a good Sunday, Saturday. I can't remember what that. 7,200. I want to do a deeper dive on Shane Lowry. Um, you know, he is the perception of him. See, this is weird because this the perception's kind of right, but also wrong. He is kind of a short game guy, but he's been really good ball striking. So it, it's it's weird. Uh, I think that $8,400 price tag might be very valuable this week. And then I have to decide if I want to go back to Patrick Cantlay. Wow. Okay. I've got a lot to think about and you've got a lot to think about. Hopefully you can take this information. Uh, you can digest and you can figure out what works for you. Again, if you want this shirt, there's also a Bryson version, rungoodstore.com. Best of luck this week, guys. I'll talk to you soon.